I served in Vietnam. I served in Iraq. No matter where you served or when, VA has benefits for veterans of every generation. To learn what benefits you may be eligible for, visit www.va.gov. Timothy Lawson here, your host for This Week at VA. Today is Wednesday, February 8th, and uh, this is an in-between-isode, a bonus show, a random audio file being pumped into your feed, however you would like to categorize it. Um, This is audio from the Policy Research Roundtable on Women Veterans that uh, is occurring Uh, here in the D.C. area, and the director at the Center for Women Veterans, Kayla Williams, uh, gave a um, a few remarks yesterday on what the center does, her history as a veteran. For those of you that listened to her interview here on the podcast earlier uh, in the series, some of this stuff is going to be very familiar to you, but she uh, adds a lot of insight to women veterans in general and sort of what the state of uh, the community is and where women veterans sit um, either compared to their male counterparts or uh, just in general uh, as far as their transition out of the military and uh, some of their challenges and opportunities they have. This audio is from a presentation that she did, so she references slides that obviously we can't see uh, through the audio, but she still, she does a good job of describing uh, what she's seeing and the points that are uh, that are of note. So uh, I hope that you enjoy this and and get a little insight on uh, women veterans and what the center does and and Kayla's efforts there. Uh, and I hope to see you on Friday. Uh, we'll uh, feature an interview with Joe Chanelli from AmVets. So here's Kayla Williams. Enjoy. Good morning, my name is Kayla Williams, and before I get started uh, with the information I want to share about the Center for Women Veterans, while they get my slide deck up, I'll just share a little bit about my personal background and why I'm so passionate about this issue. Now, I joined the Army in 2000, and back then it didn't seem terribly likely that we would be going to war. I joined for many reasons, like a lot of folks, it wasn't just one thing, I wanted to serve my country, of course, but I'd grown up in a family of very modest means, and so I also... Uh, wanted to repay the community that invested in me. My mom was on food stamps, and so I felt a debt of gratitude to the country that had helped set me up for success. I wanted a challenge. My undergrad degree was in literature. I felt like it was cheating. They gave me a degree for reading books, which is what I do for fun. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, wanted, I didn't know how to pay for graduate school. So when I realized that if I joined the Army, I would get access to the GI Bill, they would teach me a foreign language, which I thought seemed amazing, instead of me having to pay somebody else to teach me one. And and it was this opportunity to really challenge myself and repay my country. Everything came together, so I enlisted in the Army and was assigned Arabic by random computer-generated number and was studying that language at the Defense Language Institute on 9-11 when it became immediately apparent that I was going to have a very different military career than I might otherwise have expected. I deployed to Iraq in early 2003 as part of the 101st Airborne Division Air Assault and spent about a year total in the Middle East. Uh, 
Uh, that was during the era of you go to war with the army you have. We didn't have enough equipment to go around. We didn't have enough Arabic speakers to go around. So the women were technically barred from direct ground combat arms jobs and units. Uh, to meet the need, I ended up going out on combat foot patrols with the infantry in Baghdad with no plates in my flak vest. We've come a long way since then. What my experience uh, was somewhat unusual. It's become utterly banal today. It's very common, and women are now allowed by policy to serve in positions that we were informally attached to previously. Um, and while I was deployed, I met a fellow service member. We fell in love, didn't start dating. It was a rock. We, we got together um, after coming home. He, while we were still in Iraq, sustained a penetrating traumatic brain injury when shrapnel from a roadside bomb penetrated his skull, traveled forward, and exited near his right eye. I got out of the military partly to help him on his road to recovery because the systems and services to support wounded warriors just didn't exist then. So when I got out, I did use my GI Bill to go on to graduate school and you know fulfill my long-term plan. And I also got a crash course in how to assist somebody with a traumatic brain injury and post-traumatic stress disorder. And that experience drove me towards advocacy. I became really deeply involved in trying to advocate on behalf of uh, military women, wounded warriors, and, and the families of our service members and wounded warriors. And I ended up working for the RAND Corporation, doing research and analysis for about eight and a half years while doing this advocacy in my free time with two little kids. And so I was incredibly honored and excited to get the opportunity to advocate on behalf of women veterans from within the Department of Veterans Affairs. And I'm going to talk to you a little bit more now about that work. So today I'm going to discuss briefly the mission of the Center for Women Veterans, a really brief, very brief history and demographics of women veterans, and then the state of women veterans in four life domains, as well as what VA is doing to support them, and also touch on some strategic partnerships. My office was actually created by law, and it has a number of mandated functions, which include advising VA and other stakeholders on policies, programs, and laws related to women veterans, disseminating information, and supporting the independent VA Advisory Committee on Women Veterans. Our mission is to monitor and coordinate VA's administration of health care, benefits, and programs for women veterans, serve as an advocate for cultural transformation to recognize the service and contributions of military and veteran women, and raise awareness of the responsibility to treat women veterans with dignity and respect. As John mentioned, uh, we were a much smaller percentage of the military and accordingly veterans population uh, originally, and today we've grown to over uh, uh, roughly 15% of the total force. Accordingly, we are also one of the fastest growing subgroups of veterans. Our representation is expected to grow from about 9.5% today to 10.5% in 2020 and continue growing beyond that until it matches that of our representation within the military. Compared to our male counterparts, we skew significantly younger and more ethnically diverse. When I think about the reintegration challenges that veterans may encounter uh, when, when they're leaving military service and beyond, this is the conceptual model that I personally use to frame my thinking. It was developed by some former colleagues of mine at RAND for some Air Force work they did. These life domains, health, housing stability, financial status, and social functioning, are all interrelated and likely to influence one another, as shown by these bidirectional arrows. So I'm going to talk about how women veterans are doing in those four areas next. 
we know that women are, military women are more likely to have had certain adverse childhood experiences, but also that they must meet certain standards in order to join. So they access into the military with both risk and protective factors for their long-term health. During service, compared to men, we are disproportionately likely to experience sexual harassment and assault. Like men, we may also experience combat and other environmental exposures. Of women veterans who use VHA for their health care, over half have a service-connected disability rating. And the top eight domains of our health conditions are shown here. They're actually the same as those of male VHA patients, just that the frequencies or the ordering differ. And as in the civilian sector, women use more health care than men. I'm going to avoid making any jokes about my husband here, but yes, that is uh, also anecdotally true in our household. In terms of our housing stability, women are about 9% of the homeless veteran population, so roughly similar to uh, our share of the overall veteran population. However, they're more likely than women who have never served in the military to experience homelessness. Research shows that risk factors include having experienced military sexual assault, unemployment, disability, poor health, and certain mental health conditions. Protective factors include having a college degree, being married, those interrelated domains that I mentioned earlier. With collaborative efforts involving partners and innovations like Housing First, tremendous progress has been made. The number of homeless veterans has dropped roughly in half since 2010. As you can see on this slide, women veterans have slightly mixed financial status compared to men veterans, but stronger financial status than women non-veterans. In addition, we know that a higher percent of women veterans work in management and professional occupations and in the public sector compared to either group. To me, this really shows what assets we are to our communities when we leave military service and reintegrate into the civilian sector. We have valuable skills, higher education levels, and leadership training. That said, you can see that there are segments of the women veteran population that are struggling. Women veterans are less likely to be married than men veterans or women non-veterans. Research has shown that maintaining the social support of military peers after serving is associated with better health among women veterans. We also know that women veterans, especially uh, those from prior eras, are less likely to self-identify as veterans. And across the board, women, report, women veterans report feeling invisible and unrecognized. And that's one of the reasons that uh, organizations dedicated to helping connect women veterans to one another and, uh, and those that push for them to receive more recognition can be so important. Uh, they provide ways for women veterans to engage with their peers. Women have very high levels of civic engagement when it comes to volunteering, voting, and more. So finding ways to do so with other women veterans who recognize their experiences could be a really important way to uh, assist them. So each of these four domains, I'm sorry, I need to fix those arrows, can be influenced by intervention as shows by the black arrows that are supposed to be one directional. I just need to tweak my slide there. So VA, along with our partners in the public, private, and nonprofit sector, are able to influence the trajectory of women veterans' lives by either directly providing or by connecting women veterans to needed services if they encounter challenges. So I'm going to spend a little bit of time talking about what VA is doing in those domains. As the number of women veterans using VHA healthcare has grown to over half a million, we've dramatically expanded the services we offer to include comprehensive primary and specialty healthcare. 
it's really important to me that women veterans know that they are more likely to get recommended care, including in gender-specific areas like cervical and breast cancer screenings, in VA than in other sectors of care. VA health facilities also have a number of specialists who are designed to assist them in particular needs, including women veteran program managers, designated women's health providers, MST coordinators, and maternity care coordinators. We also operate a women veterans call center, which now has a chat function. It's staffed exclusively by women, and as of February of this year, it had received over 47,000 incoming calls and made over 395,000 successful outbound calls. You're right over there. Um, sorry. <laughs> so <coughs> here are some of the resources available through VA for veterans who are homeless or at risk of homelessness. Please note that SSVF, Supportive Services for Veteran Families, uh, offers additional financial assistance for those who are fleeing domestic violence. So in fiscal 15, women veterans were about 14% of those assisted with SSVF, 12% of those assisted with HUD-VASH, and only 7% of those provided services through the traditional grant per diem program that many of us associate with veteran homelessness. Many of those programs are still predominantly designed to serve male veterans. Um, each VA regional office has a homeless veteran coordinator, as well as women veteran minority and MST coordinators, and we also operate a call center for homeless veterans, 877-4-AID-VET. Women veterans are using many of their VBA benefits at rates roughly equivalent to their male counterparts in the case of disability compensation and home loan guarantees, for example, and at even higher rates in, for, for uh, benefits such as VRE, voc rehab, and uh, employment. When we do use our GI Bill benefits, we graduate at higher rates. And last year, nearly 66,000 women <laughs> veterans were guaranteed home loans worth $16 billion. VA-backed home loans have among the lowest default rates in the, in the industry. On a slightly more personal note, I am service-connected. I use the Montgomery GI Bill. Unfortunately, I'm a little too old to have gotten the post-9-11 post, uh, GI Bill. And I've had two VA-backed home loans, so I can personally attest to the value that VA brought to my own reintegration process and ultimate success as a civilian. And I also use VA healthcare exclusively. So when I talk about the benefits of VA care and services, it's not just from my professional uh, opinion and expertise, but it's a really very personal standpoint. When it comes on the local level, a growing number of VA facilities have begun hosting events aimed at women veterans. I know of conferences in Wyoming and Hawaii to give just two examples. Women are among those involved in the peer specialist program in which trained and certified veterans help their peers who are also in mental health treatment uh, navigate the system and achieve their goals. Disabled women veterans participate in our adaptive sports programs at the national level, and local facilities have a variety of different rehab programs that are open to both men and women. Um, when we had two kids under two, my husband did a golf program where he said that as part of his treatment, he had to go play golf at VA for four hours every Sunday. I was really suspicious of that, but it actually did help him. Uh, some of the tools that he used uh, were very beneficial in controlling his anxiety. 
So partners are a vital part of our ability to serve veterans and do research on what uh, best meets their needs. But before I turn to that, I want to touch really briefly on a VA administration that we sometimes neglect in our national discussions, except when we brag about their high customer service scores, NCA, the National Cemetery Administration. So while women accessing VBA benefits at roughly the same rates as men and make up about 7.5% of VHA patients, we are significantly underrepresented in national cemeteries, VA cemeteries. Some of that could be a function of demographics. Since we were limited by law to just 2% of the military for many years, women who served in that era are probably more likely to be in need of burial and memorial benefits today. However, I I am concerned that lack of awareness of this benefit or our eligibility for it may also come into play. So please ensure that the women veterans in your life know that they may be eligible for burial in uh, VA National Cemetery. There are, I think, now 135 in 40 states that are currently open, and there are also many state sites. Many women veterans like me are in dual military, dual veteran uh, marriages, so know that those couples may choose either separate or shared grave sites. And for those who have already passed, you can honor their service now by getting a presidential memorial certificate and one of, or one of these medallions that can be affect, affixed to private headstones in private cemeteries. There's a lot more information on eligibility and other details on the NCA site. The MyVA transformation uh, initiated by Secretary McDonald and we've uh, heard that will be continued by our secretary nominee is designed to put veterans in control of how, when, and where they wish to be served, make VA a world-class service provider, measure success by the ultimate outcome for veterans, and integrate across programs and organizations to optimize productivity and efficiency. Equitable Services for Women Veterans has been selected as a 2017 MyVA initiative, which provides us with additional senior-level oversight <laughs> on our efforts to identify and, dis- and, uh, and reduce disparities between men and women on topics including wait times, satisfaction, and other outcomes. The ultimate goal, of course, is full equity. And I look forward to providing progress uh, updates on our progress as we move forward over the next year. As a VA patient, I have been called Mr. Williams by clerks looking at a computer who just assume that as a vet I must be a man. Parking lot attendants have tried to direct me towards employee parking when I'm showing up as a patient. And we've heard from many other women veterans who have had similar experiences. That's why we actively support campaigns like these above by Women's Health Services and VHA that are working towards cultural transformation within the department to ensure that all women veterans are recognized and treated with the dignity and respect that they have earned. In addition to not being recognized or treated with dignity and respect, some of the other barriers that we have identified for women veterans include, for, in terms of seeking health care, include lack of transportation, difficulty finding child care, lack of awareness of benefits and services, and being perceived as victims rather than assets. All of these are areas that strategic partnerships can affect. So I want to tell you really quickly about two of the partnerships that my office has. The first is with Academy Women. They offer a number of programs for women cadets, service members, and veterans. Uh, Their e-mentor program is an online mentoring program for military personnel, veterans, and military spouses. It's served over 4,000 women since 2008. Over 350 organizations contribute mentors, and protégés report very strong satisfaction ratings and job placement rates. 
The next is Lean In Women Veterans, which is a peer-to-peer -peer virtual program that allows any woman veteran to participate in moderated lean-in circles, supported by free tools and resources. There's also a pilot face-to-face -face circle in Seattle. My office is also exploring innovative ways to continue the culture change efforts that are underway. And this year, one, uh, one initiative we've kicked off is to arrange to have storyboards of art by women veterans featured in 10 VA medical centers nationwide throughout the month of March, which is Women's History Month, and also the 100-year anniversary of the first woman openly enlisting, uh, officially enlisting in the regular military with equal pay and rank. We're doing this in partnership with, the, uh, with VAP, the Veteran Artist Program, which is a nonprofit dedicated to fostering and promoted veteran artists. The goal here is to make women veterans feel more welcome when they enter a VA facility by seeing their experiences represented, while also raising awareness among both VA employees and male patients about our service and sacrifice. I also want to tell you we've dramatically reworked our website and outreach efforts to provide more and more accurate information to women veterans and their supporters about how women veterans are doing in the domains that I talked about, as well as what resources exist to uh, assist them. Uh, we feature the main the veteran of the day on our main carousel, the most recent blog that the center's done, another item of interest, and we're trying to produce about a blog a week on various topics. Last year we did an 11-week series on the state of women veterans, doing a deep dive into a, a series of topics. We also have pages dedicated to resources, events, and our advisory committee. Possibly of particular interest to this uh, audience, we also have a research page. I have a screenshot up there. We list relevant research from PubMed, and we also have um, special volumes featured, such as the newest one that just came out from OEI, the Women Veterans Report 2015. So we'll have that posted hopefully by the end of the day. Please check it out. We try to provide lots of um, information. If you're trying to do research, this can be a good jumping off point to see what's already out there. Uh, you can also sign up for email updates on all those topics and uh, send me anything that we've missed so that we can add it. We'd be happy to do that. Or if you're recruiting for a research study and your IRB allows, let me know and we can have that listed as well. Here's a little bit more information about how to contact us, and I'd urge you to connect with us on social media. We use the hashtag WomenVets, and those tweets also pop up on our website. I try to share interesting stories on Twitter and uh, also on my, my Facebook account, so uh, please check it out and engage. We'd love to continue the discussion once you go back to your home communities. Uh, thanks very much once again for giving me this opportunity to share a little bit with you about the state of women veterans more broadly and what VA is currently doing to serve our community. I'm really looking forward to hearing from the rest of you throughout the day about what you're doing and uh, how your research efforts can, uh, can assist. Thank you.